begins now. And thanks to Joshi DiMaggio for chopping it up from Brian Gutekunst at the podium in Indianapolis. He also spent uh, about 45 minutes with Domovsky and Spofford and Huber and that crowd earlier. So we'll see what he had to say during that. But, Tausch, I wanted to get to this, and not just because I wrote about it in this morning's State Journal, which you can read at madison.com, but in 2009... The last time the Packers made a scheme switch, a legit scheme switch, going from the 4-3 to the 3-4. We talked about our buddy Aaron Campman being a man without a country in that system. He spent that contract year in Green Bay and then left in free agency with his three sacks after recording 54 in the years before it. They went out and drafted Raji. They drafted Clay Matthews because they needed an edge rusher, because they needed a nose tackle in that system. Goody was asked at the podium about how their evaluation process will change with a new defensive coordinator who is now bringing back the 3-4 after being in a bringing back the 4-3 after being in the 3-4 since 2009. Here is how Goody answered that. Yeah, I think you know um our the foundation of how what we're looking for in players and stuff isn't going to change you know we that, that process is pretty entrenched i think one of the things that the conversation will continue um is just kind of some of the things he's going to want to do and you know certainly um in the final decisions of player acquisition there, there, that might factor in a little bit just in how he wants to play um but i want i know for a fact we've always done this but he's looking for versatile guys that can do a lot of things uh, i think you got to be careful when you build a team of having too many guys that don't have kind of like a um, you know a robust skill set because when injuries hit they got to be, be able to do different things. So, so Tausch, I think and correct me if I'm wrong, but 2009 was when you were a free agent again. You were dealing with uh, your knee again. You weren't there when they made the switch initially, wasn't that the year they realized? Correct. They weren't good enough without you. They couldn't live without you. That's they couldn't they, quit they you, and they brought you back. The franchise was going to fold if I didn't. <laughs> now that was uh, that off season. Yeah, my knee was blown out, and I was uh, escorted out of the building. Uh, and then they said, "Oh my God, what are we doing? We need old T back uh, because Alan Barber cannot handle this job. We need, we need Tausch on that line. We want Tausch on that line." And they brought you back uh, when you arrived. Um, and you were practicing against the three four. Was it a vastly different operation? Because, again, based on what Goody has said previously, and what he said here, and what Jeff Halfley and Matt Lafleur said, it's really not as big of a deal as it was back then. What do you remember of that, and how different is it in your mind now? It's what you're talking about thirteen years ago, and now it. The entire league has changed. Mm -hmm. Teams ran the football and lined up in under the center, and you saw fullbacks, you saw tight ends, and that's where the 3-4 and some of the spacing, people were two-gapping. You're not seeing a ton of teams two-gap anymore. Everything now is about quick-twitched athletes, long, that can get in the backfield and be disruptive. Is there going to be a shift? I, I don't know. I think you're going to see, you hear people talk about what Green Bay did to Dallas, and they're going to need some bigger bodies. This game is not going to go backwards in the fact that it's going to get back to big, thick, you know, Matt Millen-type linebackers. Those days are gone. It's now about length and athleticism. And 
schematically, does it ask you to do different things in a 3-4 and a 4-3? It does. But as Goody said earlier, this is a 4-2-5 league. Is that math? That math adds up. You are correct. Yes, sir. And that's what this comes down to. And whether or not you have Lucas Van Ness put his hand in the dirt and anything else, those things, uh, it, it does change how you approach. And I think what you're looking for, you maybe will be more apt to go with a little bit bigger-bodied person. But if that person off of the edge, because they have their hand down, and maybe they're going to be asked to do more setting of the edge. But when you're an outside linebacker in a 3-4, that's your job. Mm-hmm. Now, as a you know, when you're going to be a 4-3 DN, that will more than likely be your job. And what Goody is saying is we want to get big-time athletes that we can maneuver and chess piece around so that we will be as versatile and as multiple, and especially in today's league where you don't necessarily know how teams are going to attack you. You also want to have guys that can do multiple things, coming off the edge, uh, linebackers that can blitz. But really, this is a game of space, and teams will expose you if you can't cover or if you can't tackle in space. And if you don't bring people in, especially in that second level, that can operate in space at a high level, you're going to get exposed. And that's, I think, what Goody's talking about. So here, I I got this stat from uh, NFL Next Gen Stats. Last season, this past season, the Packers played 26.7% of their 1,061 snaps on defense in their base. 67.8% 67.8% in nickel, 5.5% in dime. Um, yeah. Again, I know you don't have the numbers from your playing career in front of you, but I got to think base defense was closer to 50% when you were playing, maybe 45%, but that's that's literally one in four plays is in base, and the rest of the time you're in a sub package. That. I mean, you're not that old, not not as old as me, or and I'm not as old as you tweeted I was on my birthday, but that's a lot of change in not that long of time since you were playing right tackle, right? Yeah, there, there's just, there is a bigger emphasis on space and on what people are looking at, and, you know, college has been doing this for a while. There's, you're seeing it now, and you're seeing it how Wisconsin has approached their offense. You need to have athletes everywhere. It can't be I have – it used to be give me two or three big-time athletes and then just a bunch of tough, hard-nosed cats. Now you're looking for both, and those guys are very difficult to find. And it really just comes back to you better have some guys that can get after the quarterback. And the idea of stopping run games, it's – it is not of the premier emphasis that it used to be. Now it's all about how are we going to slow down the running quarterback and how are we going to slow down the passing game. And along the way, if people want to try and pound you into submission, we'll have some packages that we can go to. But the the bottom, the essence of this is, as you're seeing the Jalen Hurtses and some of these other quarterbacks that are very good in the run game, Josh Allen's another example, you it is it's put such a strain on a defense you can't run and play a bunch of base defense because you don't have the numbers to match up 
you have to have people that can get after a quarterback out in space. And it used to be you'd spy people. Now you're scheming for read options and for things like that. And everybody that you have doing that has to be able to run with what some of these freakish quarterbacks can do. Um, one other thing, you mentioned the run game and the quarterbacks. I, I want to pivot that in one way. Does a 4-3, again, if you're not playing base that often, does that give you more of a chance or less of a chance of being better against the run, which it feels like year in and year out, as you've said, no matter who the coordinator is, they're not good enough against it. So does this, is this improve the chances of it being better, or does it not really matter either way? I mean, I used to always think it was a heck of a lot easier to run the football against a four-down front because you this angles and how you looked at things, especially if you had a tight end, it felt more comfortable. Three, four, you have more athletes that you're chasing. Angles need to be precise. But I'll say this. The Chicago Bears with their great linebacking core – I don't care if they played a 4-3 or 3-4. It was always going to be tough to chase breaks sure. down. It was always going to be tough to figure out how Erlocker was going to approach it. So what I think Goody and Halfley and everybody is saying, yes, we're going to move to a 4-3. But really what it is, it's I want athletes that are really tough to block. I want a scheme that's going to make it incredibly difficult to identify where you're going and how you're going to get there and be successful doing it, regardless if it's 4-3 or not, because – uh, that nickel number of being at 56%, 60%, I don't see that dropping anytime soon. No. Uh, we'll talk more about what Goody had to say, including we mentioned the Packers' tight ends, Luke Musgrave and Tucker Craft. Uh, he talked about them in Indianapolis. We'll get to that coming up. I know there are some of you who are avid fans of the show who, in a constructive way, would like it if we talked more bucks. That's your criticism. Well... Uh, I understand that. The villainous John Wesley among you. That's why we bring in JG. That's why we occasionally bring in Eric Name. I know Tausch, huge NBA guy, very knowledgeable on the Bucks. Very, very knowledgeable Bucks. on the Bucks. Uh, not on everybody else, but Bucks. Yeah. No, he, tonight. Yeah, just ask him. Uh, he'll tell you, and, and he'll tell you that they'll be uh, in first place before Thanksgiving 2026. But if we don't give you enough Bucks here, we have something for you where you can get your Bucks fix. And that, of course, is Bucks Plus, a first-of-its-kind audio platform from Good Karma Brands and the Milwaukee Bucks. All you got to do is visit Bucks.com slash plus. Bucks.com slash plus. It's the second day in a row I fumbled that. Uh, you can listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music. We've got five shows that are either underway or about to be launched on Bucks Plus. That includes Behind the Bucks, presented by Gallagher. We're talking about the documentary about Giannis that you can watch on Amazon Prime. Phenalysis, uh, which is our favorite, with Thanasis, who sits down with a variety of teammates. He did one initially with Dame Lillard. The Here District with Marcus Johnson, his son Chris. Bucks and Six, recaps of all the games in your podcast feed. And Courtside with Gail Clapper. You can find all those things on Bucks Plus. Go to Bucks.com slash plus to find out more. More of Goody from Indy next. It's 
You're listening to Wildey and Tausch on 94.5 ESPN. Presented by Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Call Gina Della from Pella at 855-PELLA-WI or visit online at PellaWI.com slash radio. to our buddy Josh DiMaggio who's broken down some of the audio from Goody in Indianapolis via Packers.com. Uh, I want to get to this because I was referencing the blessing in disguise, certainly not for uh, Luke Musgrave because I don't think you want to be spitting up blood and peeing blood and having to spend time in the hospital because you have a ruptured kidney. That's bad. But that time that he missed allowed us to get the revelation that, hey, this Tucker Craft kid who played at South Dakota State and was trying to make the jump from Division One AA or FCS, BS, CS, CS, um, to the NFL and hadn't gotten a lot of opportunities, he can play too. Here is Goody at the podium in Indianapolis talking about his tight end situation. Yeah. You know, I think, yes, I think those guys are very well-rounded tight ends that can do everything that we're asking. Um, I think since Matt's been there, the tight end position has been extremely important in what we do, not only in the pass game but in the run game. So having tight ends that can function in both, particularly in the blocking phases, um, was really, really important. And I think both those guys proved in their initial years, and there's so much room and growth for those guys to get better, um, but they can do everything. And I'm just really excited about uh, where those guys are going. Um, you know, Tucker really, you know, really came on once once Luke had the injury. So now I think the confidence and the level that both those guys are at now, it's going to be really fun to see those guys on the field at the same time. So Tausch, I I know that you give me a hard time that you don't think I give Goody enough credit. You do not hear me saying that about his tight ends or his wide receivers. He restocked the shelves, and that that analogy that someone gave us, which I wish I could remember who did because they deserve credit for it, the um. Not the Josh Hader closer one, which you love so much, but the one where maybe the grocery store was out of stock on those shelves when the weather was nice, but then when they knew that a hurricane had arrived, they did a great job of restocking them quickly. Um, They got a lot of really good options at wide receiver and two stud potentially tight ends. So I give Goody all kinds of credit for that. Um, Which do you think you should be more excited about? There's fewer of them, but the tight end tandem or the wide receiver group? Because What a great question. I think you you should pull that. Perhaps Uh, I will. Wide out. I think it's wide out. See, and Uh, and here's why I disagree. Because I don't know about your Madden cover guy, which I know you didn't predict that he would be on the Madden cover before Thanksgiving 2024, but if, if they don't get him figured out, that's a major piece and a second-round pick that he was asked today, Goody was, about Christian Watson, about whether they see him as a number one wide receiver. Um, no. Uh, you know, Goody said, I, I don't think of those terms. But he's not consistently on the field enough to be viewed as their number one wide receiver right now. No, he's not. But I just look at the big picture of where this group is, and... Uh, you know, Musgrave and Kraft, I think, are both very good football players that will only get better. 
the receiving core, nobody could imagine that they'd be as deep and as good and as multifaceted as they are. And I believe when the season started, it was, oh, boy, if Watson can't stay healthy, how are we going to get big plays? Well, Bo Melton started making big plays. Correct. Bo Melton. And then, well, Romeo Dobbs is kind of dipping. He might be this. Romeo Dobbs, probably from a postseason standpoint, had as good of a postseason as you could imagine. And then you're not even talking about the guy I think that you're saying is going to be the breakout star for next season. And now I'm not even getting into who the most productive player was last year in Jaden Reed. Correct. So I just mentioned four or five players without even mentioning the guy I think has the most potential to be the biggest play guy out of that group. So while I love Tucker Craft, and I think Luke Musgrave, while he's going to benefit a ton from getting stronger, he had that uh, fawn. You know, he'd catch the ball like the little baby fawn where his legs, he couldn't quite get his legs underneath him. He's going to benefit because we all remember all tra- all mini camps last year of everybody slow mowing how great Luke Musgrave looked. That is a position that I think you can be really excited about. But I don't know how you can look at this receiving core as young as they are and as cheap as they are for another couple of years mm-hmm. and not say that's the group that you have to be the most impressed with because you're probably going to add another guy to this mix. I am not of the belief that they're going to go get a veteran but I wouldn't be shocked if you, in those first five picks, if they see somebody that the value is just too strong on, I can see him grabbing another guy. Uh, I still think, and I was looking back on this because uh, my guy John Schneider uh, talking about the picks of Raji and Matthews the day of the draft. You know, Ted came down and said that's just how the board worked out, and you know the need. We don't pick for need. And then Schneider came down and said, basically, they had Michael Crabtree and B.J. Raji roughly the same grade, but they needed a nose tackle. So the tiebreaker was, we need a nose tackle for the new system. Boom! He even gave a boom in his quote. And then they traded back up, which clearly they were not letting the board come to them for Clay Matthews, who would not have gotten to them at 41. And so they went up and got him as the other need for their system. Uh, the needs they have, they've got to trump an appealing wide receiver, though, right? Like, they have nobody yeah, to play safety. They need help on the Jason, offensive line. The they need corner help. You they know. need defensive line help. They need linebacker you help. Know. That's where you get in trouble. You're right. That's where you get in trouble. And that's why you want to alleviate a little bit of that with some free agent pickups and some other things to solidify Uh some positions. Because the other teams that are drafting around Green Bay have the same boards that the Packers have. And they say, well, Green Bay is going to probably be looking here, here, here. And that goes into their mindset a little bit. They're still going to take their best player. But in the same respect, they also will understand and have an inkling to who Green Bay is targeting. If you don't do anything at the safety spot, all of a sudden, oh, well, this kid from Georgia is really good, and I got a hunch. You let the board fall to you, but I think the Clay Matthews pick continues to tell everybody involved that if you have somebody that you love, like mm-hmm. Ted, Ted loved, loved Clay, him. Mm-hmm. 
you trust your gut and go do it. Because without Clay Matthews, I think we might be sitting here and saying, we haven't had a Super Bowl in 30 years. Clay made Clay was that big of a playmaker, and what he was able to do in that Super Bowl, we don't win that game if he doesn't make that play. So trust your instincts, and if there's a guy that you feel like has to be on your roster, go get him. Don't sit there and say, well, we really need a safety. And even though I love blank and blank from – I love Chop Robinson from Penn State. But we have Rashawn Gary. We have Lucas Van Ness. Ah, there's a safety from Florida Tech that I think he's going to be okay. Football factory. And we really need one. You never just go and do that. Trust your board and take the best players because, as we see every year, a position that you think is stacked – all of a sudden, in the middle of the season, you're picking up guys off the practice squad to plug in because you got injury issues. All right. Uh, we need to get to the Badgers outsider. Uh, the Badgers play tonight. <laughs> Not that Tausch will be watching. Oh, it's a peacocker? It is. Uh, City. They are at Indianapolis. Got a lot of games on Peacock. In, sure. Indy. Um, by, by the way, you can always go on to the Varsity app, which is where I listen uh, to Tausch and Matt LePay call Badger football games. You can catch Matt LePay uh, on the call of the Badger basketball game. But that said, Tausch doesn't need to watch the game tonight. We've got the Badger outsider here. Oh. He can tell Tosh everything he needs to know. Probably text him some updates if he wants. He's not a fan of the Peacock either. But we are a fan of him. Derek Blakesley, presented by PDS, joins us next. It's Wilde and Tausch. The Badgers Outsider on Wilde and Tausch is brought to you by PDS. Providing IT solutions and transforming IT for area companies for over 30 years. Find what solutions they can offer you at pdsit.net. No imagery of him running across Barry Alvarez Field at Camp Randall Stadium and bib overalls and no shirt. Just knowledge about the Badgers presented by Paragon Development Systems. Indeed, PDS has been providing technology solutions and transforming IT career companies for over 30 years. PDS is giving today's worker the true ability to work from anywhere as they balance work and life. PDS wants to be your trusted partner in driving success with enterprise solutions, digital workplace platforms, and managed services that fit your needs. PDS Paragon Development Systems. Gets you all choked up when Derek Blakesley joins the show. Derek, good morning. How are you? What an emotional welcome from a clearly, clearly emotional Mark Tauscher preparing for probably the finest 20 minutes of his life as we enter the uh, prime time of college basketball season. What's that logo you got on your hat? Yeah, it's a cool logo. It is, uh, it is Bauer. Um, it is the end of the hockey season, and I'm wearing a lot of hockey garb as both of my children. I'm very proud of them at the squirt and peewee level will be at the their respective state tournaments the next two weeks. So I'm wearing all of my hockey gear, garb, um, and getting ready and prepping for that. 
Well, are you ready for Peacock basketball? And are you ready to send Tausch text updates of the game since he doesn't have Peacock? I, I agree with Tausch. I'm irate. And let me tell you why. It's more than just the normal complaining. If I played for the Badgers or my kids chose to come here to play, why are we? Why am I having to watch my son or you know maybe it's your daughter if you're if you've got enough um, eyeballs for for the women's sports too? Why am I playing Digi only? Why am I getting a scholarship to play big time basketball to be the equivalent of TV's Digi only? I mean, people are not watching at the same rate. We're, we can't get any buzz going. It's it's not good for anything. I don't understand the logic of not putting the games on TV. Uh, money, money. And, well, there, but there's, and a I'm not irate. there's a long I'm term. indifferent. Yeah, I'm indifferent on it. I it, it is what it is, and I will. I am still going to watch games that are on, but I'm not going to do the Peacock. I'm just not going to do it. Yeah, That's I, the, I, that I'm was the my Custer's last stand. I'm the same. Is oh, look, I I downloaded Big Ten Plus, so. Uh, we're having a great hockey season at the university. My kids are all over it. We we cast it onto the TV, and that was an add-on because that was the whole point of doing the other streaming services was to consolidate it all. So, yeah, they've got to draw the line somewhere. And like I said, it, it disproportionately affects um, folks that are a little older that turn on the TV and still watch cable, and they're not into apps, and they're not into this whole thing. And my grandparents used to love to watch the Badgers, that, uh, especially this time of the year, and that that's not available. It's just... I don't know it's a really bad vibe. I don't like it, and I get it that it's, it's not going to break the bank for people, but it's not really about that, yeah. in, in my opinion. So. Derek, what did you think? Because all week, uh, Monday and today, if you're listening to Evan on Unsportsmanlike and some of these other shows, the court storm. Yeah. Because the obviously the Duke game, Wake Forest is favored, and they storm the court at home. I didn't like that. But what if Derek Blakesley's in charge of this? Do you ban the court storm? What do you do? Well, I thought about this a lot this week, and I think what everybody's saying is it used to be a really big deal when there was an upset that it lent credence to the idea of the, the court storm. Merited. It was merited, merited a court storm. Yes. That's Good word, a better, Jason. That's a better Thank word. You. Thank you for your help. You're welcome, sir. Now... We sit in a scenario where we've, we're doing it too much, it's too often, so now your risk profile goes up, right? There's, there's too much risk involved in it. My idea is if people want to storm the court, that's okay, but what, as a society, as a sporting community, we need to instill, and with policy and with consequences, is you've got to wait till the other team's off the court or off the field. I don't know if that's possible, but that has to be where, where Billis came out and said, you know, every, get everybody rounded up and give them all a citation. I don't think that's realistic. But I think it is realistic to go back and look at the tape and see if there are people that went onto the court or the field before the uh, opposing team exited or at least got to the sidelines. Because what you're seeing there, I mean, that's got to be scary. And, the, and people are they're, they're pissed because they just lost. So whether you're saying they're throwing a shoulder or tripping, or they, they might do something kind of impulsive like that, but it's not their problem because they're in the theater. They're out of the court. They're, people are there to watch them. They shouldn't have to mind their P's and Q's you know, before the final bell even, even tolls. So, Is I, the juice worth the squeeze? No. Uh, that's, that, that should always be. It's not. So let's just get rid of it. But, uh, it but, happened at Wisconsin. How, we, have not seen a, we have not seen a field storming, I don't believe, at Wisconsin since the 
uh, tragedy that happened back what in ninety four? Is that when that happened? Ninety three, yeah. ninety three yep. or ninety four? And so, and I was so, but I think the problem with not doing it, Tausch, is I was at that game, um, sitting in the staff section of the like the, the a lot of professors. I remember I was sitting by Stu Jackson. Um, I don't know why I remember that, but even after it got out of control, humble brag. Well, I, Stu looked at me and said, <laughs> "Pretty cool." Said, what do you what do you think about Stu my chances? At me and said, I said, Stu, I don't know if you're going to be much of a success here at Wisconsin, but I think you might have a nice career ahead of you. And he that springboarded him to where he got. But even surprised he didn't hire you as an assistant. Even, even I was 13 years old. Even after the problems started happening and the the goalposts came down and and is it Manthe the our our PA announcer is like get out of the way the ambulances are coming. That was Jack Rain at the time. Jack, Jack so Rain. Jack Rain is like everybody get off of get out of the way people are hurt blood the crush you know and people still weren't getting it the kids still weren't getting it so there is a potential danger there is risk there but Tausch what is your how do you propose that you completely stop it I mean if, if fifteen thousand people want to make a, a run i don't know if you can afford a security apparatus to stop that i mean how are you going to completely stop it? uh how many times has lambo field been stormed that's a different it's a different cohort to no, it's not nah it's a football field with fans that are sitting there that's a terrible example it's a different, no, it's not. It's a different it, kind of fan, and it's you know the NFL. Anybody can beat anybody on any given weekend. I mean, it's, a, it's not the same scenario of, um, and like I said, we do it too often. But if 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 we come in um, and we've got Duke scheduled and we win, we're gonna run onto the court here. I, I just don't. I don't think there's a good answer for it. I, I I think that's way over the top. Don't you think you're not gonna issue citations to everybody? Is that even? Yeah, I'm just saying, stop it. Like it's. Done. Is there? I'm sorry. Is there no way to do it? In like, here's my question. This is, this is not a new phenomenon. To your point, it's happening more frequently. Which I'm sorry. How did you? You sound like a risk manager over there. Your risk quotient goes at something like that. You said. Um, your risk profile. We we managed RP. To, not to be confused with DB. Uh, we managed to have students rushing the court previously without incident. And now we have seen the Duke player who did lower his shoulder into a fan on their way by before then getting hit himself. And we saw Caitlin Clark get taken out at Ohio State, right? Our, and I hate to be old man yelling at Cloud, get off my lawn guy, but are we rushing the court not more frequently necessarily, but with more reckless abandon? And am I getting to the point where I have to say, these kids these days, they're not careful enough as they run onto the court. Like, this is not new. Teams have, Fans have run onto the court at basketball games for, what, 50 years? And only now it's gotten to the point where it's so dangerous that we're wringing our hands? Are we... Do we just not – are they not cautious enough? Is it not possible to find a way to do this without it being a such a perilous situation that it's now become? Because why is it so dangerous now and we don't have stories in the past of people getting hurt? I don't understand that part of it. I I don't get it either. But the the reality is, what we got to deal with, what we got to deal with is, you got they're, they're coming, they're coming hard, they're coming fast. I, I I've done it a couple times uh, at the Cole Center, but you're, I mean, rarely are you the first group out. 
mean, usually it's actually a pretty uneventful thing. <laughs> you got to wait and wait and wait, and before you know it, it's like I'd rather get over to, to Wando's or something than go out onto the court. So, I mean, there's only a, a few that actually impact this, right? Your first 50 or 100 people that are out there. There also seems to get trumped up pretty good. You know, the Caitlin Clark thing, it was you, you thought she'd have, you know, been in the ICU. Well, the reality of it is she was just fine, and I think the guy from Duke probably will be too. Um, but we do it too often. I think, Jason, I think it was done far, far less frequently. And now it's happening all the time. And there's more, and there's more space on a football field. But the basketball court probably just happens too often, and it, it's one of these things that will blow over because there's no good solution for it. Derek, as a risk management guy, as you were just talking about, what business or athletic department or program would ever want to take this risk on for what? You'd never, as a leader, you would never do it. These are the same people who put games on Peacock, Tausch. They're not making the best Yeah, well, they want the opinion. money. But it's going to cost money what? to beef up security, is it not? Yeah, well, you take that peacock money and put it. Is in there. anybody in favor? Is anybody <laughs> is anybody in favor of fining people? Is anybody in favor of that? I mean, arrest we, them, fining people? No, that's dumb. All right, well, no. I mean, a physical bear. You can't put up the physical barricades. That's how the crush happened in 90, 93, 4. That is how it happened, indeed. Michael Brin, the person of the week, because he saved yeah. the girl's life. Yeah, so what had happened was they changed the way those things were basically became gates. So, I don't know. I don't have a good answer to it. We, I would just like to – here's what I'd like. I'd like us to win a game big enough where we'd have to think about it here <laughs> instead, of, instead of losing, to get a, get a big quad That's one fair. win and get into the tournament and start playing games on TV again. It's like I'm going back like I'm going to be walking, watching Wagon Train with Ronald Reagan. It's like we're moving backward in television because I can't get the sports on TV anymore. Uh, so uh, uh, the uh, unofficial Wilde and Tausch ombudsman, our good friend Rob Vogel, Sends me the following text. There have been multiple field stormings at Camp Randall since the tragedy in the early 90s against Michigan. Uh, see 2010 versus Ohio State, for starters. Yeah, so, I was wondering if they did that. that all right, now uh, let me continue with Rob's uh, note because he's, he's a very good historian. Uh, there's also been multiple stormings at the Kohl Center for UW Hoops, but they've developed a plan to funnel the students away from the team's benches as they go out under the court until they're, they've cleared. Um, again, I haven't been at the Kohl Center in a long time. Uh, you're right. I don't know how many times there's been instances of recent memory. Uh, Wooly is telling us t- as recently as 2022 against Iowa. Yeah, that was embarrassing. Um, on the f- embarrassing. For the football. Uh, rush the field beating Iowa. So yeah, um, I agree with Jesse. I, I don't. I don't have a lot of the facts there in terms of the history. But my point is, is that is there not a way to smartly funnel, to use Rob's word, kids so they don't collide with players, and yet you don't have to turn it into uh, a gulag where you cannot, where they're going to be locked down after a big win. I understand Tausch's point. The juice is not worth the squeeze. The danger to players is a problem. I'm not downplaying that. But there's all these people wringing their hands over this, and my overarching question is, why were they able to do it before without people getting hurt? And now suddenly there's a problem. That's what I don't get. Is it just simply that it's happening more frequently? I don't understand. That's all. We can move on now. Okay. Derek, 
What else do you want to talk about? You want to stick around for a little while longer and show off your Bauer hockey hat? Or you got a meeting in Algoma? Nope. I've got a lot of... I'm never short on stuff to talk about. It's a big big time of the sports year coming up. we got a lot to go. I'll be here. Okay. Derek Blakesley sticks around. Presented by PDS. More with the Badgers Outsider next. It's Wilde and Tausch. You're listening to Wilde and Tausch on 94.5 ESPN. Presented by Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. And sponsored by American Family Insurance. Outsider Derek Blakesley. All right, Derek, uh, the combine is in full swing. Uh, 18 Michigan players who are at the combine. Uh, No Green Bay Packers coaches. Uh, The guy that I'm most intrigued by from the Badgers contingent is Braylon Allen. You have given your opinion on Braylon. Yes. Um, did you go so far as to suggest that he go back to linebacker like he once was? I'm not sure you went that far. Um, I did at one point. I look, he's. A, I've always said the same thing. He's a great athlete. He's strong, uncommon, you know, freakishly strong. And I think though in the NFL, if you watch, if you watch the top guys, the speed is the thing. Can you get to the corner? Are you slippery? Uh, the, the straight ahead, I just I don't see that. But I look, there's a lot of people that have him projected to go a lot higher than I did. I always said fourth or fifth round. On your big board, Mel. Uh, here we go, making fun the, of me again. The and Blakesley I, big board. I had I had. Can we can we go back to talking about court storming? No. Um, wait a wait a minute. I wasn't making fun of you. That was just a small joke. I didn't even have time to have a good conversation in the in the elevator this time because everyone's coming down to get me fast because they're upset the way. Because you complained publicly about how you're public, treated. I had to publicly expose the belly way, aching I, like like a kind of like a oh, nursing home. Good like, morning, Mister Blakesley. Yes. Going up. Uh, so I, I wish the like I root for him. I wish the best for him. But when you see a guy, and he got hurt a lot, and he just, I don't know if the explosiveness and the speed overall is there relative to, because you're competing against the best in the world, and you look at other teams that have had success, and I just, especially in the passing game, I don't know where he fits. Where he might be able to fit is if he's able to pick up the blitz well, um, but then he's not a third down kind of back. So I don't know where he fits exactly. Uh, short, down, and distance, goal line kind of guy. If he if he shocks to the upside, I would be more than happy to be wrong. Great guy, did a lot for our team, stayed with us. I just wasn't seeing it on the field. I'm sorry. So there's only three Badgers at the Combine, right? Uh, Allen, Bordellini, uh, and Jung Mehta, right? Those yeah. are the three? Yep. 
Um, if I, I defer to you two as our Badgers experts, one as an outsider, one as an insider on the Badgers radio network, uh, where do you have each of them projected on your big board, Mel? We gotta Go see, ahead, uh, DP. We gotta. It'll be interesting to see Jung Meta run. I mean, that's that's going to be the uh, that's going to be the knock on him, and has been is can he get back in coverage? Um, again, I see him as a late round kind of guy. Um, there's just a lot of people out there that, especially in today's NFL defenses, where it's so pass heavy, you got to be able to get uh, be able to get depth. Late rounds, not sure exactly. I'm no expert in these things. Who's the other guy? Portolini. Poor kid. Playing out of position most of the year. <laughs> so I don't, even know, I don't even know what kind of tape he was able to put together. He's not a center. Uh, what, what I've learned talking to Tausch over the years is we've had guys with plenty of size that don't last long because it really is about their feet. So I'm interested to see Bordellini's feet uh, early on in his career and where he's going to go, and I'm not sure where he'll test out. Tausch, what do you think? I don't have enough expertise to put him anywhere. So, Derek, you are a high-level executive for PDS, correct? High-level seems the high, strong. The highest. The highest. Okay. Can you explain to me why NFL coaches would not go down to the Combine to evaluate the Tanner Bordellinis and the Muma Jumetas and the Braylon Allens? Like, can you explain to me from – give it to me from – because I am not an executive at a big-time company, like a coach or like a Derek Blakesley. Why would you not want to go and get your hands dirty and get to see their eyes and be able to sit and talk to your potential employees? Why Examine would their you feet. not go and do that? I'm just guessing here. This first thing to top of mind is they probably think there would take some biases into that that could, when it comes to the decision-making process, there's so much data now. I think most of the organizations see themselves as data-driven. And to go out, and it used to be if you went and saw the uh, saw the athlete in person, it would add to that decision making mix. And now I think it's become so much about the numbers and um, hmm. the stats that they they prefer not to even see this go but go by the numbers and play the odds. I think that's where we've gone as a society. It's a it's a it's a it's a demonstration to me as a societal change in how we make decisions, data driven. Hmm. I'll be fascinated. Jesse, you know what I'd love to do before the draft is you plug in. There's now like seven or eight different AI engines. I'd love to put that into these AI engines and see who put whom where. Because what Derek is saying, I had not thought of. There is no doubt things have gotten more analytical and more emotionless and just strictly on numbers that they get. So I'll be fascinated to see if that is indeed the case because, as Jason's one of his favorite movies, Moneyball, mm-hmm. that that's what they did. Yeah, you don't you, need when, scouts. You when, don't when, need this. When you evaluate talent, and I do this all the time. I want to know what kind of dog they got, it, man. I want that, to know. That's what I'm saying, Tausch, the, is you look at someone and you might fall in love with something that they do, some, the way they move, the way they – we can even say this about Connor Asijian and what we talked about last week. You fall in love with parts – of what the player can or cannot do, um, and that doesn't necessarily speak to whether they have any dog in them or whether they can actually play. You see it in youth hockey all the yeah. time. You see a person skates 100 miles an hour, can handle a puck and do all these things, and then the game, they, they aren't actually, you know, and that goes to the highest levels of sport. So 
I think it's a little too analytical. If I was a coach, I'd show up. But you got to be aware of those implicit biases just because you think the guy can jump out of the gym or you think the guy has learned to run a 40 really quickly. I, that, that doesn't mean it's going to translate to game speed. It doesn't mean it's going to translate to wanting to tackle. The biggest problems with the Packers' drafts on defense the last few years is drafting players with all of the tangible stats, but they don't want to necessarily hit. And that's that's after, and that's usually after they get their big contract. So you know, how do you measure those kinds of things? I don't know. I would if I was a coach, so I'd show up. Yep, I agree. Derek. Uh, final question for you before we say goodbye. As a fellow uh, Peacock subscriber, have you watched Oppenheimer yet? No, I can't. I do I have Tausch over to the house? Another the house. little another little peek behind the curtain. I have a three year old at home. If anybody's been watching Spider Man and his amazing friends lately, I've been watching that in depth, uh, and even YouTube videos from other countries of homemade Marvel uh, characters and cartoons. My life has gone backwards like eight years overnight. I watched, does that make you J Jonah Jameson? What does that make you? That makes me longing for good TV that I'm not able to watch because I try to be a good dad. And because a three-year-old runs my life and determines what is on the television in our living room, which my dad would have never stood for that. But what can I say? So so you won't be watching the Badgers tonight either. You'll be watching Spider-Man. I will sit there. Peacock will come on to the main menu of my new Samsung TV. And I will look at it and think to myself, boy, I'd love to click on that button and subscribe. But principle will take over, and I will not. Because wow. the game is not. It, Kudos to you, it. Derek. Kudos to you. Why? Thank you for your lack of service. Why do little kids love <laughs> Spider-Man so much? Because he shoots webs. Awesome. That's why. Spider-Man's well, awesome. I mean, he's fine. Like, I never thought Spider-Man was that cool of a superhero when I was Slandering a kid. Everybody now is like, I know, all these kids that are like five years old and younger, they're all like obsessed with Spider-Man. Jesse, what kind of comment is that? Just because maybe the web situation wouldn't support you. <laughs> maybe wow. More Whoa. <laughs> You're more of a... Oh, snap. Whoa. Are you more of an Incredible wow. Hulk? I mean, I think you tend to like an Incredible Hulk or something that takes you out of the air and keeps you a little more terrestrial. I mean, I don't know where you're... Where okay, you're time to Whoa, go. Nelly. You called wow. me Job of the Hut three months ago. I haven't forgotten that. Wow. Good luck getting up to this office oh. next week. I've been waiting down in that lobby my whole life, Jesse. You know, I am not, it doesn't, doesn't make one difference that I've had to do it again. Thank you, Derek. Go Spider-Man. That is Derek Blakesley, our Badgers outsider, presented by PDS. We thank him for his service and his commitment to not signing up for Peacock. Wow. The 11 o'clock hour. Been a good time with, with all those comments. Would have been a good time for a Fortria ad after what... <laughs> Derek just did. Well, it sounded to me like he was burying him in some pavements. <laughs> and we'll talk about Johnson and Sons a little bit later in the program. We'll kick off the 11 o'clock hour without Derek and his Spider-Man and Jesse Nelson slander in two minutes. So stick around. It's Wilde and Tausch.